You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. You're listening to The Self-Advocate and me, your host, Alison Klein. On this episode, we're talking about the ADHD Women's Palooza, which is coming up really soon. We're going to talk with Linda Rigoli, who is the coordinator of the ADHD Women's Palooza, and with Dusty Tripura, who is a speaker at this conference. But first, let's cue in our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. <laughs>
The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, and The Self-Advocate, with me, your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Alison Mira Klein. You can also find me on Twitter at Alison Mira. So right now I'm talking with Dusty Chapira, who is an ADHD coach and a speaker at the ADHD Women's Conference. She is also part of the board at CFRO Co-op Radio. She also helps with a whole bunch of shows, Neurodiversity Now, which you guys probably heard me on as well. Thank you, Dusty, for doing this with me. Thanks for having me, Allison. So right off the bat, you are an ADHD coach. Yes. Why, what interested you to become an ADHD coach? Um, so I, I think a lot of people with ADHD are very curious and we really like to help. And so I think my own natural sort of like desire, and I, I think we also all, a lot of people with ADHD have like a desire to sort of have more of that organization that we're often lacking. So when you put that all together, um, it's not unusual that folks with ADHD are sort of on this constant drive for self-betterment. So I was really looking at a lot of different ways that I could sort of improve my functioning with ADHD and different strategies that would help me, you know, do the things that I was trying to do, like be on time and stay organized. And I just ended up um, helping a lot of my friends through that, you know, just by posting on social media. And I was also transitioning from being a musician at the time into sort of a new career, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and then I heard about coaching and sort of just jumped into it <laughs> like many things but um it's it's good because it turned out that coaching combined a lot of the the little bits of skills that i had picked up throughout the years um and so it was a really good fit for me that's interesting because a lot i think a lot of people not only with adhd but with a lot of different disabilities it's difficult to live in a world of not not having a disability and not having an invisible disability on top of that like you and me and to have a coach and to have skill sets to be on time to work to do all of that is really important if you want to live in a world that doesn't quite understand our disability i've picked that up along the way as well now that you're an adhd coach You've also been picked up as a speaker at the ADHD Women's Conference, which is American, um, but you're doing a Canadian twist, being in Vancouver. How did that happen? Um, well, I was familiar. I had heard about the ADHD Women's Palooza because I've, I've sort of attended it as an attendee in the past, and I was familiar with Linda Rogley's work because she's a very well-known ADHD coach in the in the coaching world. She's really um, pretty amazing woman. 
Um, and one of the things that I became interested in early on in my coaching was the ways in which my ADHD was affecting me when I was pregnant and when I was a new mom. And I had been really kind of Googling when I was pregnant, like what to expect and how to manage some of the ADHD symptoms that were coming up for me. And I, and aside from information on the internet about taking medication during pregnancy, there was like nothing, like no resources, no tips, no tricks, nothing. Um, the only stuff that existed out there was about, you know, the impacts of medication on, on pregnancy and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, cause I guess there's a lot of women out there looking for information about whether or not they can or should take meds, but aside from that, nothing. Right. And as a coach, primarily, like I'm not involved in people's medication treatments. I'm helping people with behavior stuff, with strategies, with life hacks, with skills, and with how they think about themselves and how they conceptualize of, of their selves and their, their goals in life. Um, and so I approached sort of pregnancy and ADHD from that same framework, just, um, you know, trying to think and sort of starting to ask questions in the community, like, what do pregnant women want? What do pregnant women need? What are they struggling with? And so um, that's not something that I've really seen at the Palooza because I haven't really seen it anywhere. So I, I, I had approached Linda and just, you know, said to her, hey, I, this is something I'd really be interested in talking more about. And um, right now I'm actually pursuing doula certification so that I can better support um, pregnant women with ADHD. I love to coach pregnant women with ADHD. I don't currently... I don't sort of like make that my niche now in a way where that's all I do. I coach all kinds of people, but whenever I do have a client who um, has a uterus and, and is pregnant, um, I try to really let them know like, hey, that's something I'm interested in supporting you on. And that's something that I, you know, have been working on and talking on. So I've, I put out a couple of YouTube videos and I'm also working on a workbook about pregnancy and ADHD that will be released prior to, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it'll have already been released. And so I'm really just trying to create resources and information for people with ADHD above and beyond the whole question of medication or no medication. Cause that's something that's very, it's, it's not really agreed upon from doctor to doctor, depending who your doctor is and depending on your situation and what type of medication you take, you may or may not be able to, or want to continue with your medication treatment, but above and beyond that, I want there to be resources out there for women and pregnant people. Why do you think that there is no information out there beyond the medications for ADHD for people who are pregnant? Good question. So I think one of the things is that in general, women's experience has been minimized when we're talking about ADHD. Um, obviously that's changing now, but you know, it was not that long ago that we thought of ADHD as like a, a boys, like a thing for little boys, right? And so we know that women with ADHD already tend to fly under the radar because um, we're often socialized strongly enough to sort of mask or compensate for a lot of our ADHD behaviors. So many women um, don't get diagnosed until they grow up and they're struggling to sort of hold it all together to do the, the to, to fulfill their traditional gender roles. So right off the top, we already are looking at a little bit of um, like a skewed database when we're looking at, um, you know, research and information out there for coping with ADHD. And then of course, pregnancy is a subsect of women, right? Not all women with ADHD are going to become pregnant. And it's such a short period of time that, um, you know, I personally see a lot of people talking about it in the Facebook groups that I'm in. I constantly see women saying, I'm, I'm just found out I'm pregnant. I think I'm gonna have to go off my meds and I'm terrified. I don't know how I'm gonna manage my ADHD through my pregnancy. But I think also because, you know, at the end of 
pregnancy, women are so busy, right? They don't have a lot of time to stand around talking about what it was like for them to go through pregnancy with ADHD because they're, they've got their hands full caring for a newborn. So it may just be that pregnancy is this little blip on the radar that's like a, a, a sort of a weird and freaky time, especially if you have to navigate it without a medication and then it's over, right? And then the person who went through it is kind of too busy to go back and spend some time talking about it. That's my, my guess. It's interesting you talk about how it kind of ADHD flies under the radar for women. And I see that as well for women on the autism spectrum as well. We kind of just fly under the radar. And for a lot of disabilities and hidden disabilities as well, we just kind of fly under the radar until we're adults and then we get diagnosed with something. So a lot of disabilities, learning disabilities, ADHD, autism, it's seen as a boy's thing. So it's not, it's underrepresented, I think. And, and we're only now really kind of like starting to expand that conversation to the ways in which ADHD affects women. So um, it's very, very new that we're starting to acknowledge and recognize that that hormones have an impact on your ADHD, right? That um, uh, with the rise and fall of estrogen in a woman's cycle and with menopause and that kind of thing that that estrogen, um, you know, might impact kind of the ways that we experience our, our ADHD and our ADHD symptoms. So that role that kind of like hormones plays in women has been really underrepresented and understudied because it's not a thing that men need to worry about. Right. It's not a thing that male researchers and male research participants is not even on their radar. Right. Well, I would question that. I think male hormones uh, affect their yeah. their ADHD as well. That's a good but, point. What I mean is just more that there's like more of a fluctuation, especially around like menopause and pregnancy. Like everything's going to yes. kind of change in a drastic way. You know, that's very true. It's it's a very different. It's a different mindset than, and I think as a woman, we have to kind of see it out of the box out of the box thinking rather than uh, what traditional or male thought processes are it's very different but yeah i mean for some women there may be no right there may be no impact or like because of the role that novelty plays in helping adhd brains there may be some women who don't struggle with pregnancy and new motherhood um, but that's not the case for everyone. So I'm just like really curious in the ways that we can sort of like help women who are worrying or who are struggling with like the ways that unmanaged or unmedicated ADHD or even medicated, you know, during pregnancy can can impact them. How does being a Canadian in a, an American conference affected how you're talking to to people and international people? Hmm. Good question. So a lot of my clients are international and I do have a lot of US based clients. So I'm dealing a lot with the US market anyway and the, and the US population, but it certainly, especially when we're talking about mater things like maternity leave, right? And, and access to medication and doctors, it's really different because people in the United States don't, don't always have the same kind of access to medical care that we do. And there's things that they have to take into consideration that I would never even think about, right? Like the cost of going to the hospital to give birth or cost of going to the doctor about anything, right? Um, that's just not even something that I have to worry about. And I can see 
how that would be a whole other ball of yarn for a person who has like organizational difficulties, right? Managing bills and, and the finances and making sure you're paying that hospital bill or coordinating that healthcare. There's, there's a bunch of extra administrative work that could present itself for um, an American citizen that, you know, we're very fortunate as Canadians to not have to worry about. And on top of that, you know, uh, I think it was a few years ago now, actually, just when I was pregnant, they were extending maternity leave in Canada. So now you have the choice of doing 12 months of maternity leave or 18 months. And in the US, um, they have some of the worst maternity leave in the world, right? So um, I can't imagine coping with all the stresses of new parenthood. Uh, there's still so much going on hormonally after you give birth in the in the postnatal period, right? Like it's it's not like as soon as the baby comes out, like all those hormones just go away. It takes a while, and then all of a sudden you're thrown back into work, right? And maybe you've got you know breastfeeding in the mix, and you might have postpartum depression in the mix. It's just honestly so much to contend with. It's like it's we're very fortunate to have the maternity leave and the healthcare system that we do. I know that if I ever got sick up here in Canada, I would be covered. It's not perfect, but it's much better than the U.S., especially for mental health or getting IEPs done. I paid out of pocket. So that's another whole ball of wax, you can say. Yeah. <laughs> mental health is still pretty patchy everywhere, right? It's, it's really, we're only just coming to realize how imperative it is for physical health and for like general well-being. Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political. Co-op Radio is poetry. Co-op Radio is tango. Co-op Radio is gay. Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga. Reggae. Bicycles. Trade unions. Gospel. Live. Local. Asian. African. Vancouver Co-op Radio is community. Your community. Vancouver Co-op Radio. CFRO. 100.5 FM. All different. All the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein or on Instagram at Allison Mira. I'm talking with Dusty Chipura, who is an ADHD coach, a speaker at the ADHD Women's Palooza. She is also on the board of CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5. She does so much and she's a musician so changing gears here you're you said you were a musician and still are a musician to this day what interested you in music mm. um that's a big question i'll try to not ramble on forever <laughs> um I, I mean, I've always really enjoyed listening to music. And when I was a teenager, I sort of fell in with the crowd in my town who were musicians. And so to me, at first, I think it was just a way of fitting in and like sort of feeling cool, right? And I actually think this relates back to ADHD because so often, you know, as neurodivergent youths, we, we know something's different about us, right? We know we don't quite fit in. And um, 
you know, certainly for, for people with ADHD, we're also starting to recognize more and more how many social gaps there are, right, for kids with ADHD, because we're not paying attention, right? We have low self-awareness. We, sometimes we, and we have, struggle with impulsivity. So there's always that sense of never fitting in. And I think for me, I saw music as a way to kind of compensate for that, right? So at first it was really about being cool. <laughs> but what I came to realize is that certain kinds of music, especially like very fast, very loud music, were also a really great outlet for my hyperactivity, right? It really gave me a, a way to get out and also to emotionally regulate, right? So helping me with my emotional regulation, like art was a really good way to do that. Um, yeah, and I, I think those are still true today. <laughs> so that's the answer to the, the question, I guess. That's what kind of brought me into the art world. And even to this day, I love to see art, any type of art stuff, music, fine arts, the whole gamut. What is your favorite music genre? Mm. Well, I, to play, like I'm really, I'm I'm getting curious and I'm I'm exploring different kinds of music right now, but I think my heart is always with sort of like rock and roll and punk rock because it's loud, it's fast, it really gives you the chance to get hyped up. And I just don't really get those opportunities in day-to-day -day life. Like I'm always at a 10, right? My energy is like always at a 10. Like I love to just bust in the door and be like yelling my head off. It's like, I love to have my own personal volume cranked up to 10, but that's not appropriate in most social settings. So for me, music is really like, playing that kind of music is the time when I get to be my most self, my most authentic, loudest version of myself that's always locked up in a cage inside of me. Um, but as far as listening, like I, you know, I'm a big fan of many kinds of music. I'm really kind of getting passionate and exploring sort of old time Americana right now, like um, banjo and, um, you know, Woody Guthrie and that kind of stuff. But more recently, I've been sort of giving myself permission to get more into like pop music because there's a lot of ego, I think, in playing like rock and roll and punk rock. And there's a lot of like one-upmanship around like what's cool and what's not cool. So I'm sort of giving myself permission right now to explore more of the like fun, lighthearted, like pop music that I never gave myself permission to admit to liking because I was so, again, I was always so worried about that, you know, that coolness factor. And I'm, I'm trying to really kind of let go of that right now and just give myself permission to like be that more authentic version of myself, both in what I listen to and what I play. And I love all genres except for the hardcore rap that degrades people and classical music. I never got into classical. What interested you in joining the board at Co-op Radio, joining Co-op Radio in general, having all of this fun with all of these radio programmers? Uh, I think that co-op radio is really unique in what it does and the way it's set up. And I'm, I'm, I love, I, I love to solve problems and do puzzles, right? That's my whole thing. So I, I, for me personally, like radio is, I've always listened to co-op radio. Um, I don't have sort of like a, a larger affiliation with radio, but I'm always looking to be part of a team and help out where I can and solve problems and, and like make things better and like get involved in the community. And I think that co-op radio allows me to sort of do all of those things and to combine that with my love of music as well. And my love of like sort of community and like grassroots organizing. So there's a lot 
I think that co-op radio does that no other organizations or nonprofits do. So that's really of interest to me is just how unique of a beast it is. Um, and I got involved in co-op radio because um, I, uh, because Brian asked me to, he, he, um, you know, he's been a, a mentor to me for a long time. He used to be my boss at public outreach back in the day. And I've always thought that um, Brian, who is a, a volunteer now, I know he was the executive director for a while. I've, I've always thought that he is super brilliant guy. I really admire a lot of what he's going, he's got going on. And um, I love to be asked, I love to be included. I love to be asked to be a part of things. So really, if you, if you ask me to help out, I'm there. Um, and so uh, I think I saw it as an opportunity because at that time, again, I was a young mom. So I really saw getting involved in the board as an opportunity to stay connected to the, the community in Vancouver and to the grassroots music community. And when I got involved, I saw that there was lots of different potential things I could be doing. So there's always something to keep me interested and keep me engaged with it. What is the most difficult thing of being an ADHD coach? Mm, um. Well, it's probably different for everyone. I know a lot of new coaches struggle with like marketing and getting clients and that kind of thing. Um, that wasn't so much a problem for me. For me, it's just about, I guess, like valuing myself and believing in myself. Like there's a, always a lot of that imposter syndrome. And I'm, I'm the kind of person who, like I always wanna know that I've read all the material and that I'm doing everything exactly right. And there is no exactly right with coaching. Um, there's a million different ways that you could sort of coach anybody. And it's very much like a, a personal fit between coach and client. So I, I sometimes struggle with the fact that um, there's not one right way to do it. <laughs> um, but I've, I'm learning to trust myself and trust my clients. Um, so that's probably that. For anybody who is neurodivergent and wants to become a coach for other people who are also neurodivergent, what advice would you give them? Hmm. I think the advice that I would give is like, keep yourself inspired and, and use the resources that are right for you. So for coaching is not a regulated industry and not all coaches have training or accreditation. Um, and many coaches will tell you that they don't feel that they need training and accreditation. And, and that may be super true. Like, again, I'm the kind of person who loves structures and frameworks. So that was important for me, but for any coach, I think it's important for them to seek out the ways to keep growing as a coach and keep like bringing their best selves to their clients. So keep looking for more resources, more ways of learning, more ways of becoming wise so that you can help your clients as much as possible, but also just keeping yourself inspired, right? Like being a coach is really a, a, in large part about being a cheerleader. So you're really helping your clients to see the best about themselves, keep them moving forward, um, help them figure out their you know problems. And so you have to, I think, be in the right mindset for that. And you have to be inspired. If you're really struggling, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling, you know, unmotivated, you're not going to be able to show up for your clients in the way that they need you. So you have to kind of put the work in yourself on your own time to, to feel like, yeah, I think really inspired and motivated. Does that make sense? How can we find you, Dusty? And how can we find your coaching? Yeah, good question. So the best place to find me is usually on Twitter, um, but also on TikTok. So both of those, you can find me at Dusty Chapora, and that's D-U-S-T-Y 
C-H-I-P-U-R-A. Um, my website is VancouverADHDCoaching.com. Um, I'm on YouTube. Um, and my email address is contact at VancouverADHDCoaching.com. So any of those are good. You just Google me. <laughs> just Google you. Google me. Up next, I'm going to be talking with Linda Rigoli, who is the organizer and founder of the ADHD Women's Palooza. So don't change that channel. Get excited for this interview as well. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein. You can also find this show on anchor.fm forward slash Allison Klein. On this episode, we're talking about the ADHD Women's Palooza, which is happening soon. In the first half of this episode, I talked with Dusty Chipura about the ADHD Women's Palooza. In the second half, I'm talking to Linda Rogley, who is the founder of the Women's ADHD Palooza and the coordinator of this conference. So many things to talk about. Linda is also an ADHD coach. She is one of the top experts on ADHD in the world. Thank you for being on this show. Oh, thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. First off, what made you interested in becoming an ADHD coach? Um the truth is that the reason a lot of us became ADHD coaches is because we have ADHD ourselves. It's, it's kind of the equivalent of majoring psychology when you have some psychological issues. <laughs> so ADHD was the logical extension of that. I actually trained, I ran my own advertising agency for several years and I come out of a media background, radio, TV, newspaper. Um, but when I, when I left that, I formed my own advertising agency. And then I, after 10 years, kind of burned out, which is not, which is kind of typical of ADHD folks. We don't stay with the job for 20 or 30 years as people used to do. Um, and I said, well, I, I want to train as a retreat facilitator. I trained as a spiritual life coach and a retreat facilitator with Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God. 
a lot of conversations with God books. And I realized, you know, you can um, spit and hit about 10 spiritual coaches out there. So I thought I need to do something different. And there was a wide open. I mean, nobody was really, there were two or three people talking about women's ADHD at that time. And that's been about 15 years ago. um, And I thought, you know, this is wide open. I come from a marketing background. This is what, where the market is going. And I'm so grateful I did because not only has it allowed me to, to touch other people's lives, but it's also enriched my own. And I think that's true of a lot of of you know coaching and therapy and um, think things that that have to do with interpersonal relationship and support is that you know it just there's so much that is not known about ADHD in particular for women we uh, I will tell you when I was diagnosed I laughed at the guy I'm like ha 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 that's for little boys who can't sit in their seats and then of course my world expanded and kind of exploded to tell you the truth. So it's been a remarkable journey and one that I am so happy that I that I embarked upon. You said that, and I heard about this from Dusty as well, that a lot of women get undiagnosed or underdiagnosed with ADHD. And I also see that with other mental disabilities and cognitive disabilities, like autism, learning disabilities, all of that. Why do you think that women are either unrepresented or underrepresented with ADHD? Well, um, I think there are several reasons. First of all, women in general are not studied in in, um, research as much as men are, which is sad to say. ADHD has primarily been focused on boys because boys were behavior problems when they were in elementary school. Girls with ADHD, um, you know, let me back up and just say that there are three different types of ADHD, the way they manifest. One of them is is, um, hyperactive, they call it hyperactive impulsive. And that's what you see when you have little boys, you know, jumping out of their seat and talking out of turn and getting in trouble with the principal and all that stuff. Um, And I'm not, I don't mean to say that all little boys with ADHD have that issue, all little hyperactive boys. I'm just saying that that is it's kind of a bellwether, if you will. And it's kind of what, as, as, as was true for me, that's immediately where my brain went when the, the term ADD or ADHD is most mentioned. The second type is inattentive type ADHD. And even boys with inattentive ADHD get missed because, and girls, and girls tend to be more, more inattentive than boys, than more boys are. Um, and inattentive is kind of that creamy, dreamy, I'm gonna stare out the window and not really pay attention to what the teacher's talking about. And then the teacher calls on me and it's like, uh, what was going on? What subject are we talking about? So um, little girls are um, socialized differently, sad, but tr- still true. Um, when little girls are quiet and they're polite and they don't make any trouble, they're considered to be quote, good, good, good girls. I'm using air quotes now, even though you can't see them. Um, so a lot of times girls are not diagnosed until report card time. And then everything falls apart. It's like, what happened? Why haven't you been doing your homework? Or why, what, what were you doing in class? And so forth and so on. But even then, it's a, well, you just need to buckle down and try harder. Try harder is one of those uh, kind of shudder phrases for ADHD folks. So that's one reason because girls tend to be inattentive more often than boys. And yet boys with inattentive ADHD often get missed as well. The, the third type of ADHD is a combination of both of those things, which is the combination, which is the lucky combination I have. I get the best of both worlds, right? So it's a little bit inattentive. 
which inattentive is about disorganization, not being able to plan ahead, um, not paying attention. And it's not that they don't want to concentrate. They literally cannot concentrate. Their brains are not working in a concentration mode. And you couple that with impulsivity, which means for a lot of women, for instance, it may be impulsive spending. It may be impulsive, oh, I think I'm just going to, you know, quit, you know, take a day off from work kind of thing. So that impulsivity, you get kind of, you get the combined type there. More adult women with ADHD are classified as combined type. And I wanna rewind just a moment because you may have talked about this with Dusty as well, but one of the other big reasons that girls are missed, not only with ADHD, but other, other diagnoses as well, is that um, more boys are diagnosed earlier usually, Girls tend to be diagnosed around the time that puberty sets in, and that's because estrogen kicks in. Now, estrogen actually is a benefit for ADHD. The more estrogen we have on board, the better our neurotransmitters connect, which is exactly what we want them to do, especially dopamine. But when, when you are in your periods and, and the estrogen goes up high in the middle, and then right before bleeding starts, it kind of, everything goes away, progesterone and estrogen then you kind of have this cycle of good ADHD, bad ADHD every month. And it happens too in pregnancy where estrogen is really high and then at menopause when estrogen goes away, a lot of ADHD women find their symptoms to get much worse, partly because of just natural aging, but also because of the estrogen issue. The last thing I wanna say about that is that you mentioned other diagnoses. When a woman comes to a, uh, goes to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or even her general practitioner um, and says, you know, I just can't focus. I'm just, you know, things are just, it's, I'm falling apart. Generally what doctors will diagnose is one of two things for women, depression or anxiety. And that seems to be kind of our little mold that, that doctors want to put us in. Some doctors are savvy enough to say, hmm, Let's do, let me do an intake interview with you to see what happened when you were a kid. Did you leave your clothes all over the floor or did you have trouble in school? There are lots of really good intake questions about that. And, and those guys and gals will, uh, the, those doctors, whether regardless of gender, um, will make that connection with ADHD and then hopefully treat it appropriately. Um, it, treating a, it, it's really hard to find a really excellent ADHD doctor. So if you have found one for your children, for instance, a lot of women are diagnosed when their children are diagnosed and they kind of go, oh, that sounds just like me. Sometimes dads are as well. Um, if you found someone good for your kiddo um, who really knows medication or knows treatment options, medication is not the only thing out there for heaven's sake, um, stick with them. It's just that ADHD education has not permeated a lot of the mainstream psychi psychiatric and, and sometimes even general practitioner issues. So they, like me, but think it's just for little boys. So it's, it's, I'm not putting down the, the profession. It's simply, it's simply a difficult diagnosis. And it's hard to tease out from autism. And it's hard to tease out from depression because we can have both. There are about 70% of people with ADHD who have another comorbid, they call it, or coexisting condition like anxiety or depression. So the doctor may be right. It may be anxiety or depression, but 
maybe it's caused because of the, of the ADHD. Autism is becoming, I just have a client right now who was diagnosed with autism. I think she's 49 and she had no idea that she had autism and that's the ADHD diagnosis came along with the autism diagnosis. So you're exactly right. Learning, learning disabilities, autism, a whole host of other things. Bipolar tends to be one of those that's confused with ADHD often. So long answer to a very short question, but an important point to make is that girls are diagnosed later. It's not, it's never, never too late to get a diagnosis. I know people, I know women who are in their eighties and nineties who've gotten diagnosed. So it makes a huge difference. And frankly, when you have a diagnosis for ADHD and you've been undiagnosed for years and years, it kind of changes all of your view of your past life. I have one friend who was diagnosed on the autism spectrum as an adult. Mm -hmm. And, but back then, when we were both kids, we were flying under the radar. I was diagnosed formally with a learning disability, but she wasn't formally diagnosed with autism until in her 20s. That's a perfect example of what you said, Linda, of that girls and women fly under the radar. So then after you were diagnosed with ADHD and you become a ADHD coach, what is ADHD coaching? Okay. And I just want to, I just want to back up one minute because I was one of those women who was diagnosed with depression long before she was diagnosed with ADHD. I was treated for depression for years and went from one therapist to another, to another, to another. And I thought, I'm never going to get out of this. This is never going to be fixed. And I'm never going to get, you know, so I just want you to know that I am one of those people and ADHD coaching, you know, um, therapy is really, and, and I'm, I'm being, I'm speaking in very big generalities here. This is not true of all therapy, but most psychotherapy that you do with a, a, psychother a, a psychologist or a counselor, social worker, those kind of things. A lot of times they are working on issues that happened in your past. And for heaven's sake, if you don't get diagnosed with ADHD or autism or any other diagnosis, any other psychological diagnosis until you're an adult, you have a lot of trauma back there just from having that, uh, that, um, that condition undiagnosed. You've been coping your entire life. So a lot of times traditional talk therapy does not help treat ADHD symptoms, if you will. Symptoms like being late a lot of time. We underestimate or rarely overestimate, mostly underestimate time, sliding in at the last minute. Um, one, of, one of my colleagues, when I was a reporter for the newspaper said, you know, you're always such a presence when you come into a room. You're always so windblown. Yeah, because I was racing into the room, <laughs> that's for sure. So I didn't really, I grew up with some coping mechanisms, right? Because I got through college, I, you know, I managed to hold down jobs, et cetera, et cetera. Some people with ADHD um, are not so lucky. They don't make it through school, sometimes even, you know, um, secondary school. Um, and, and they have trouble holding on to a job. But ADHD coaching is different in that it says, okay, this is where you are right now. And where do we need to go? So some, lots of people will come to me and say, um, my husband's going to leave me or my wife is going to leave me if I, don't, if I don't get this ADHD fixed. It's kind of a misnomer. ADHD doesn't get fixed. ADHD gets, um, as, as an ADHD person, you learn to cope with even better coping strategies. When I was diagnosed, the psychiatrist who talked to me said, 
well, yeah, you've, you've got some coping strategies, but some of them are working and some of them aren't. And I thought, well, how do I tell which ones are working? Because they're all working for me. They may not be very efficient or effective, but they're all working for me the best I can. Obviously, running late. I was 15 minutes late to that appointment, I want to remind you. <laughs> um, so ADHD coaching is, is partly about strategy. It's partly about... Um, it's partly about just having someone who gets it. ADHD, the phrase and ADD, and keep in mind that the reason, they, the reason they, they have an H in it now is because the Diagnostic Statistical Manual in the United States has um, originally, originally this was called minimal brain dysfunction. Can you believe that? Minimal brain dysfunction. Then it moved on to several iterations and attention deficit disorders, what it was dubbed in the 60s and 70s, and it kind of carried through, uh, you know, into, into this century at least. Um, and then it was renamed attention deficit hyperactivity disorder because they wanted to be inclusive of that. So all, all of them now officially are diagnosed with, everyone's diagnosed with ADHD, and then it's one of those three variations. So ADHD coaching helps um, helps people, women in my case mostly, um, realize that they're not stupid. They're certainly not lazy. I don't know anybody who works harder than ADHD folks to try to get it right. And they, they certainly aren't crazy. You know, having, so, having something going on with your brain is, doesn't mean you have brain damage. And I, and I will say that in the same breath, having um, traumatic brain injury can lead to ADHD symptoms. It's a different symptomology. ADHD is usually inherited. It's heritable at about a 50 to 70% rate, depending on. So if you've got a mom or dad with, with ADHD, your chances are you might have a kiddo, but maybe not too. So ADHD coaching really is, in, is about encouragement. It's about helping you set strategies. It's certainly not telling you what to do. When I did coaching training, I did regular, what we call plain vanilla coaching. Um, I did regular life coaching training first. And I thought, this is just so, such pablum. It's just, just nothing there. You're not even saying, and how does that make you feel? Because we're not therapists, right? Um, and then I went, I trained for ADHD coaching and realized that in ADHD coaching, we can be a little, we can offer some solutions, but what really it's about is reflecting back the, the issues that are going on with the client, the coaching client in this case, and helping them make decisions and, and set up strategies that'll work for them. There's a psychiatrist in, in Canada, I believe he's in Toronto still, and he took all the, the um, symptoms from the from the DSM-4 at that point, it was the issue, it was the, it was the diagnostic manual before this one that's current. And he, he did every combination and permutation. He came up with more than 7,000 different possibilities for ADHD. And that's before you add on gender and culture and socioeconomic status and geographic location and all the things that go into that. So you can imagine that it's, it's not surprising that a psychologist in also in Canada said, if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD because we are so different. We have some underlying consistency, like a lot of us are late, a lot of us are disorganized, a lot of us you know, have issues with communication. We, we, we space out when we're talking to somebody else and we don't, can't keep up with the conversation. But 
we are, we are so different in the way everything manifests. So ADHD coaching helps people figure out, well, what's going to work for me? It's not oh, one size fits all. All you have to do is just get organized and put this file over here and use color coding and use a label. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. So it's our job to help our clients move into the richest, most amazing life that they that they possibly can live and have been missing and felt prob- probably for a long time that they didn't either deserve it or would never have it. And that is such an amazing transformation to witness again and again and again. I, I host, you may know, I host women's ADHD retreats and to see the transformation that happens in just one week is amazing. So it's important that we get information out about ADHD and, and therefore the Women's Palooza. Vancouver Cooperative Radio, CFRO, 100.5 FM. Homemade, not store-bought. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate. I'm your host, Allison Klein. On this episode, we're talking about the ADHD Women's Palooza. And right now, I'm talking with Linda Rogby, who is an ADHD coach, an ADHD expert, and the founder and coordinator of the ADHD Women's Palooza. What inspired you to make the ADHD Women's Palooza? Well, you know, I, the reason I created the ADDiva Network, which is, that's, that's the name of, of the um, organization that I founded some 15 years ago, was because I went to, an, I went to several ADHD conferences And we may have little breakout sessions where we could talk to each other, but I was so hungry to talk to other people, especially other women with ADHD, and there just wasn't enough time to do that. So I wanted to create a place for women to be able to communicate and connect, et cetera, et cetera, and provide accurate information. So that's what the ADDiva Network was all about. My dream was to create a women's only ADHD conference, and I had I, you know how you have vision boards. I had a vision of, of having this for some reason. I don't know why, but I, I wanted to, I thought that the first ADHD women's conference was going to be in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And that did not happen. But remember that right after 9-11, travel and willingness to travel to conferences kind of went down the tubes, to tell you the truth. We had even big organizations had a lot of trouble getting people to come to them long before Zoom was on the was on the horizon for heaven's sake. And so I've had that dream for a long time. And finally, I realized um, there were a few other people who were doing some online conferences. And I and, and some of them dropped away and stopped doing it. And I thought, this is, this is the opportunity. So six years ago, uh, I, I, I wanted to gather the, the top, top, top experts in the world who could talk just about women's issues with ADHD. And so, of course, some of those things were, were about... Um, you know, being underdiagnosed and getting diagnosis. Some of them was about some of the topics were medications. Some of them was about um, hormones, et cetera, et cetera. Some of them were about getting organized and keeping track of time, et cetera, et cetera. So I pulled together 30, I think it was 33 experts that first year. And I did interviews very much like you're doing, Allison, 
and we did them all on on videotape but i didn't want to deal with all i don't want slides i don't want somebody talking at me i just wanted a conversation with these amazing experts and i have to tell you that i was i was humbled by the fact that so many of them agreed to be part of the palooza and did so generously donating their time and their expertise and we we did it over one week and then on i was determined however to keep my first priority in mind I really want a place for women to be able to connect. Just hearing me talk to these people is not helping all the women who are listening connect with each other. So on Saturday, I created a, a three hour, um, what I call the, the ADHD pink ticket affair. And for a little, it, it cost a little bit, like it's, it was like 50 bucks or something, but every all the women could, could get together and we were on, Basically, it was, I think it might have been Zoom back in those days even, because we were on Zoom a long, long time ago, long before the pandemic, um, that we got to talk to each other. And I invited some of those experts back so they could ask questions of the experts. I had breakout rooms so the women could talk to each other, which is what I was so much craving at that conference. And it's just been a remarkable experience, a remarkable journey. Now, six, we're coming up this year in 2021, on the sixth annual Palooza. And we had a, you know, a couple, maybe a couple thousand people the first year. This last year, I believe we had more than 8,000 women who registered for the Palooza. Some of them are able to attend the live conversations and some of them it's, you know, get to see the replay just as we're recording this session. Um, and I still require we have that connection on Saturday. Um, and then what happened about two years ago was um, I have good friends who work with um, moms with ADHD. She saw a lot of support for, this is Impact ADHD. Um, she saw a lot of support for kids with ADHD, but not much support for parents. And parents are the ones who have to help their kiddos deal with their own ADHD issues. And a lot of times parents have ADHD too, as I mentioned. Um, so we partnered and now we have the ADHD Parents Palooza, which happens in the late summer, right before school starts in the fall. So we are doing lots and lots and lots of Palooza activities. This year we have 25 or I don't know if it's 25 or 30 um, speakers. And I try very, very hard to not repeat the same thing again and again and again and again, because I record all of these sessions. And at the ADHD Palooza site, which is ADHDpalooza.com and Palooza is P-A-L O-O-Z-A, sometimes I have to remember how to spell it myself, um, .com. If you go to previous, um, previous Paloozas, we have all the recordings there. So you can find out things about substance abuse. You can find out things about, as I mentioned, hormones. You can find out things about productivity. I mean, and, and you can, and they're, they're for sale, but a very modest cost. So my I used to be vice president of ADA, which is the Attention Deficit Disorder Association. Um, and that you can find them at add.org. Um, they specialize in supporting adults with ADHD. There's, there are several organizations that help parents, but this one really works with dealing with your own ADHD. And their, their um, vision is supporting ADHD through education. And now they also have a wide variety of support groups online. That in turn is my, my vision as well. Education is huge for us. 
especially in talking to our relatives or families. What's one thing that you have found that has been difficult or negative about running the ADHD Women's Palooza or being an ADHD coach? You didn't tell me you were going to ask that question, so I have to think just a moment. I'm allowing my ADHD brain to catch up. <laughs> I don't, I think in, in terms of the Palooza, for us, I have an assistant who works with me. And that first year, we both worked 120 hours a week that first week, that first year, because we didn't quite know what we were doing. So that was really difficult. But now we've kind of got it down to a smooth, you know, well-oiled machine. So I think that's fine. Um, finding people to, to be part of it is certainly a joy. And we never have any trouble with that. With ADHD coaching clients, I think some of them are still a little um, fearful that they can't change. They've been this way for so long and they've used those old coping strategies that don't work for so long that they keep stumbling and falling. So building confidence in, in ADHD clients, I think is one of the biggest challenges for me and for other ADHD coaches. Before we get your contact info, what's one piece of advice that you would give other people and other women who have ADHD and want to become ADHD coaches themselves? Mm. Well, I'm happy to report that there are now ADHD coaching programs that are um, accredited by the International Coach Federation. And that is incredibly important. Um, you can just Google, you can go to um, the ADHD Coaches Organization, which has a directory of professional coaches, and it also has a directory of coaching training programs. So I believe it's ADHDcoachesES.org, coaches.org, um, and you can go to training programs and find it. Um, I, you really, for, so first of all, I just wanna say, please get training. Please do not say, I know enough about ADHD. I have ADHD, I can coach other people. Please, please, please do not do that. Coaching is not giving advice. And a lot of people with ADHD are really good at giving advice. <laughs> and that's not what clients need. Clients, as I mentioned, need to find their own way and ask by asking what we call powerful questions that will open the door to allow them to figure things out. So training is very important. Being certified is not essential, but it's a great way to, to go. Um, you also can do become an ADHD coach by becoming a life coach first, as I did, and then taking some additional ADHD coaching training on top of that. How can we find the ADHD Women's Palooza? And how can we find you, Linda? Oh, my goodness, I'm everywhere. I'm on Facebook with Linda Rogley and AD Diva. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, you, you, you just Google AD Diva, which, by the way, is spelled A-D-D-I-V-A. And because it's the AD Diva Network, remember I wanted connection, it's addiva.net. That's how you find me. And that'll, there'll also be a link to the Palooza. And I mentioned this website earlier, but let me mention it again. It's ADHD, remember the H is in there, ADHDpalooza.com. And that's where you can find the replays. That's where you can find all kinds of fabulous information. And I have, I also have a, a get organized group that starts every five or six weeks, which has been very popular as well as some group coaching programs. And of course I do private coaching as well. So thank you so much, Linda, for the time to talk with me. This has been the self-advocate 
on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and me, your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein. If you miss any part of this episode or want to listen to it again, you can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Allison Klein. To end out this show, let's put on Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, this song talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. Today, my window, the sun came through. Today was the day I thought I'd look to. My window felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came through, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today was the day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, 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 oh. Within myself, I'm gonna be okay. Remember, back then I've come a long way. The dream may never ever be the same, but came true. Get here with you, and that'll do. I know the road I'm on is not an easy way. Remember that I will define the path I take. The dream, yeah, I'm a dreamer. What can I say? Came true. Get here with you, and that'll do. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a bit better. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle, oh, oh. just want to get a little bit better Doing fine, getting by Cause now's the only moment mattering in life Today, if 
for the day, only the day. Yesterday, never the same, never the pain. In time, love and learn to burn it to the night. Cause now is the only moment mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need to need a cold, just one.